Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And back in my Nashville home base here, carrying on the countdown to SEC Media Days. We are less than a handful of business days here. Well, as you're getting this here, yeah, so six days away, count the weekend from SEC Media Days. Cousin Shane and I will be there on location interviewing players, coaches, fans, media members. Cannot wait. And if you missed it, go back. You missed an all-timer on the last episode. SEC Quarterback Rankings. Boy, I mean, we knew the Georgia fans would be pissed off. If you missed it, Stetson Bennett, number 10. That was the early, early criticism when I threw that uh, graphic out there on Monday morning. I knew that was coming, but a little surprised by uh, how many Kentucky fans came at me, and it kind of culminated by maybe the most active assistant coach in the SEC. Let's throw this up there. Vince Morrow using a graphic as motivation. That man loves to tweet, doesn't he? I mean, a couple weeks ago he was tweeting – from his daughter's wedding, sub-tweeting a recruit who picked Tennessee. So <laughs> that guy lives on the Twitter machine even more than I do. So, hey, I appreciate uh, the shout-out there, Vince Morrow. Maybe, hell, a lot of, not just Vince Morrow, a lot of Kentucky fans fired up about that. And, uh, hey, I hope for your sake, Will Levis has proves me wrong. Kentucky has been proving me wrong for about uh, three or four seasons now. So just the latest little ammunition given to uh, the the Big Blue Nation up there in Lexington. But, hey, I didn't come here to talk Kentucky on this episode. Like I said, we are continuing the march to SEC Media Days, which means it's time for another fall camp preview edition of the show. And we're going with none other than the Missouri Tigers. High hopes within that fan base. I know around the SEC, not a ton of praise for the Tigers Pretty consensus, sixth in the SEC East. That's where I predict the media will vote the Tigers here going into Eli Drinkowitz's third season in Columbia. But, hell, that don't mean it's going to happen. Two seasons ago, no confidence. Hell, people were saying Missouri may not win a game in the uh, 10-game all-SEC schedule. They surprised a number of people. Last season, of course, fell short of expectations. So it's very hard to get a read on this team. It's hard to get a read on Coach Drink, who's only been a head coach for three seasons. This will be his fourth. Of course, he was at uh, Appalachian State for just one season before taking over here at Missouri. And let's do a quick recap of what happened last season. Of course, 6-7 and seven overall. The Tigers finished fourth in the SEC East last season. Lost to Army in the uh, Armed Forces Bowl. And interestingly, I... You know, doing some Coach Drinkwitz stats before getting into this thing. Who, uh, of course, he's twenty-three and thirteen overall as a head coach. But how about this stat? When his team is winning at halftime, Drinkwitz is twenty and one. So just incredible record. Unfortunately, that one loss was the Armed Forces Bowl to Army. So if not for that last game when he was missing his best player. And his starting quarterback was not in the lineup. If not for that, he'd be 21-0 when his team's up at halftime. But 1-11 when losing at halftime. So 
pretty much moving forward. If uh, Missouri's up at halftime, they're going to win. If they're losing, they're not. So I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, he needs to do better at this halftime adjustment comments on Twitter. But, you know, you take a little deeper dive into those stats. Missouri was getting blown out in a lot of these games. They were losing at halftime. So a lot of tight games. When they were up, I mean, they're only up one point, three point, four point, five point in a lot of these games. They won again twenty and one when he's up at halftime. Eli Drinkowitz is so just a little key stat to throw your way. Uh, of course, some staff turnover here in Columbia with Steve Wilkes, former defensive coordinator, back to the NFL. He made that jump. So what they do? They promoted the recently hired secondaries coach Blake Baker to be our new defensive coordinator in Missouri. And this is a little tricky. I mean, I've been down on Blake Baker. I think I had him 12 or 13 in my SEC defensive play caller rankings. Big reason for that, Miami's uh, defense kind of fell apart with uh, Blake Baker taking over. Now, he, he was a hell of a linebackers coach for LSU. He did a great job for Louisiana Tech, so maybe it was a Miami problem. Hell, it's been a couple decades since Miami has fielded a competitive football team so maybe we shouldn't throw all that blame on Blake Baker but he has coached an All-American at Louisiana Tech Jalen Ferguson led the nation in sacks 17 and a half and second in tackles for loss one year Uh, back in 2018 Louisiana Tech ranked fourth in the nation in sacks 12th in tackles for loss so he's gonna play an aggressive style system he's got some pieces we'll get to the roster here in just a minute but Mizzou has got some nice pieces for Blake Baker to utilize in the similar system that they're going to be using under Steve Wilkes, a 4-2-5. We'll we'll talk about Missouri's defense here in a second. But they also added Jacob Peeler, who I love this hire as receivers coach, Texas State offensive coordinator last year, produced eight all-sunbelt players in his two seasons there at Texas State. That's outstanding. Prior to that, he was Ole Miss receivers coach. Coached a couple guys you may have heard of, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, some of the best receivers in recent SEC history. And he coached Cal's receivers from 2013 to 2016. So I think they upgraded at receivers coach position with Jacob Peeler. And then Al Pogue, cornerbacks coach, very respected defensive back coach. He's coached Troy's cornerbacks. He's coached Auburn linebackers. He's coached West Virginia outside linebackers corners, including freshman All-American Tyke Smith and all Big 12 selection Josh Chandler. And he was at Troy for four seasons before that. So that's your new coaching staff there in Missouri. But, you know, going back to what I was saying about, you know, Missouri being a disappointment on the field. I'm talking last season, of course, but they have really done a tremendous job under Drinkowitz of restocking that talent in recruiting. They just signed the best class in Missouri school history. We'll get to those, all those uh, major signees here in a second. But something else that they have really been smart about and something we're seeing across the SEC, some of these teams do, like an LSU, like an Ole Miss. Drinkowitz has looked around at his roster and really addressed nearly every position of need via the transfer portal. Now, Missouri brings back an incredible amount of production on the defensive side of the ball. And that's good on one hand. It's bad on the other because they didn't play too well last season. So you're bringing back majority of those guys that played on that side of the ball. But where they were weak, 
they really attack that via the transfer portal. So it's very hard to project where Missouri is going to land in the East. But again, they were the fourth best team in the SEC East. So it is interesting that a lot of people are down on Missouri. I think that says more about the SEC East than it does Missouri. This is not going to be a bad team. This may be one of the biggest surprise teams in the SEC. But why people are low, and you'll see this across the board, quarterback position. So let's hit that real quick. Returning production for the Missouri Tigers, only 16% of the passing yards from last season. Returning, of course, uh, Connor Basilak is now playing for Indiana. So Brady Cook had 345 passing yards. It's, again, 16% of what you had in the passing game is back. So that's a big, huge question mark that no one has an answer for because Missouri went after Damn near every quarterback that went into the transfer portal, Eli Drinkowitz got on the phone and tried to get him up to Columbia. They got Jaden Daniels on campus. They got JT Daniels on campus. They got Gary Bohannon on campus. Couldn't close the deal on any of those guys. They did add Jack Abraham from Mississippi State, but he is not going to factor in at all, I would not think, in this quarterback competition. He's starting his career at Missouri here as a walk-on. And, hell, I mean, I guess you could say – Stetson Bennett walk on and won the national championship, but you know that <laughs> if you start a walk on in the SEC, I, that doesn't say much for your quarterback room there in Columbia. So I I do not think Jake Abraham is going to uh, factor in as Eli Drinkwitz would say. Premature headline for anybody out there writing that Jack Abraham's the presumed starter in Columbia. But by no means is that, you know, I saw a headline that uh, he was the presumed starter. I think that was a presumed uh, headline. That, that That is not the case at all. Uh, it's an open competition. I think rushing yards, only 25% return, of course, with Tyler Beatty off to the NFL. I think he plays for the Baltimore Ravens now. He's probably going to be there lead back for years and years based on what we saw from the dynamic all-SEC, all-American running back. So that means Elijah Young with his 162 yards returning is our leading returning rusher there in Columbia. But again, that speaks to so much lost production on that side of the ball, which is why a lot of people are down on the Missouri Tigers because we're talking marquee positions, quarterback, running back, but – that should not lead you to believe that the cupboard is bare in Missouri. 47% of our receiving yards return with Toshki Dove being our leading returning receiver with 576. But hey, we got what most consider the number one re receiver prospect in the country, Luther Burden coming in. We got Dominique Lovick. We got Mookie Cooper. We have got some guys ready to break out in Columbia to help whoever that quarterback is that starts for Eli Drinkwitz this fall. And how about this? Offensive line starts, 72% return. So again, that is really going to help, of course, the running game and the new quarterback to be sitting behind a veteran, experienced Offensive line that features one of the best left tackles in the conference and potentially one of the best right tackles. We'll get to that here in a minute. But again, we go back to uh, the defense. 63% of the tackles for Missouri return, 64% of the tackles for loss, 62% of the sacks, and 73% of the interceptions. So again, Missouri is returning a ton on defense, but thankfully, because that unit underperformed so 
so bad for the first two months of the season. They attack that and attack the weaknesses in particular to shore up a defense that could sure use some help on the field this season. So let's hit the uh, outgoing transfers real quick. Connor Basilak already mentioned him. But a couple receivers here, Jalen Knox off to Ole Miss and Javion Hester off to Oklahoma. Now, tight ends, this is going to be a huge question mark going into fall camp. Daniel Parker also off to Oklahoma and Messiah Swenson off to Arizona State. So losing some very productive players here to the transfer portal on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, kind of the same story. Makai Wingo, defensive lineman off to LSU. Ish Burdine to TCU. And Sean Robinson, Kansas State. Those are our defections via the transfer portal. But my goodness, did they attack the transfer portal when it comes to adding players. And where they really need help is on the defensive line, the interior They've got some outstanding defensive ends, but they need help shoring up the run, need help with those big uglies. that They don't, they don't pile up a ton of stats, but they make or break your defense. They got Jaden Jurgensen from Oklahoma State, played in 14 games last year, 22 tackles, two sacks. Ian Matthews from Auburn, he's got four years of eligibility. Josh Landry from Baylor, 19 tackles in 10 games last season. Christian Williams from Oregon. 20 tackles in 14 games, and then Tyron Hopper, North Carolina, only played two games last year because he got hurt, but 10 starts in 2020, 63 career tackles, four and a half sacks. Everyone I just mentioned is on the defensive line. Really, really should shore up what uh, was a huge weakness for this Missouri Tigers defensive line heading into the season, and uh, they've attacked linebacker. Tyron Hopper from Florida, 77 career tackles, three sacks, nine and a half tackles for loss. He should slide right into the starting lineup at linebacker for Mizzou. Joseph Charlton, the safety from Clemson, 62 career tackles in 22 games. And Drayden Norwood from Texas A&M, another defensive back to add there in Columbia. And that's just the defensive side of the ball. What does uh, Eli Drinkwitz do better? He gets credited to be uh, you know, an offensive guru, but it's really the running backs that every year he produces an outstanding running back. He may have his next one in Nathaniel Pete from Stanford. 665 yards last season, four touchdowns on the ground. But here's the key stat. 5.7 yards per carry for Pete. And he looked like a million bucks in the spring game. Looked like you know he could... Let's not say the next Tyler Beatty, but he could slide into the lineup and make some big plays that you're missing with Tyler Beatty off to the NFL. And here's the ultimate wild card here. Watch this guy in the spring game, and I thought, who the hell is this guy? I mean, he was trucking people, running people over, looked like a bruiser of a running back. Cody Schrader from, never even heard of this school, Truman State, over 2,000 rushing yards last year 2074 to be exact but hey throw Cody Schrader into the mix there at running back even if uh you know he's nothing more than uh, a bruising goal line back Missouri could use that with some of the running backs they have on their roster some explosive talents but kind of some undersized guys that's that kind of fits the mold of Elijah Young and Nathaniel Pete so Cody Schrader could really fill a need here for the Missouri Tigers at tight end after losing some guys they needed some help Tyler Stevens from Buffalo, 15 catches, 157 yards in just six games last year. He may be your starting tight end in Columbia this fall. Now, I said we get to the recruiting. 
Mizzou signed the number 15 recruiting class in the country, number six in the SEC last season. Just an outstanding job. Drinkowitz, he did a great job his first year. He topped it his second year, and it all starts with Luther Burden, who the very first play in the spring game, they got Luther Burton involved. They got him involved early and often on the jet sweeps, on the outside, in the slot. I mean, he looks like the next big game breaker in the SEC. Luther Burton's going to start immediately for Missouri, and I know he's fantastic. It's not that they don't have receivers at Missouri, so we'll get to that in a minute, but Luther Burton's just that good. He cannot keep him off the field. Now, some of the other Touted prospects signed by Missouri, the number eight quarterback prospect in the country, Sam Horn, who I know there was uh, you know, some fear that uh, he's a top baseball prospect too. Would he arrive on campus? He's on campus, so I, I don't think the Major League draft has come by just yet, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, the number 15 edge defender in the country, DJ Wesselak, he's a Missouri Tiger. The number 13 running back in the country, Traverius Jones. The number 15 safety, Isaac Thompson, who I think we'll see on the field this year. Number 21 defensive line, Marquise Graciel. Number 37 linebacker, Xavier Simmons. And number 40 corner, Marcus Scott. Those are all four-star prospects that could be on the field sooner rather than later in Columbia. Now, when it comes to ranking the position groups on the offensive side of the ball, I got to go receivers because, again, I, this is a group that I keep touting all offseason. Luther Burden just got done talking about him. He sh- could be one of the biggest breakout stars in the country this season. Dominique Lovick looks like a million bucks in the spring. The sophomore sensation, Mookie Cooper, you know, he didn't quite live up to the hype after coming in from Ohio State, but he was banged up. He'd be fully healthy this season. It's going to be tough to guard these guys. Toshki Dove. Chance Looper. We got Barrett Bannister. Can't forget about him. I mean, <laughs> one of the ones that got away from Arkansas, but, uh, you know, he does nothing but make big plays there for the Missouri Tigers. Makai Miller is another guy that uh, the Missouri has some faith in here. So, you know, we got a very, very talented group here. Maybe inex- inexperienced, a little unproven. But all the talent in the world for whoever wins this quarterback competition is going to have his himself a ton of targets to work with. And again, the offensive line should be a strength here. Javon Foster, one of the best left tackles in the conference. Hyrene White, the right tackle. He was injured for spring. They say he's going to be injured going into fall camp. Hopefully, he can be back on the field by the time the season starts because he could be one of the best right tackles. In the conference, we've got Xavier Delgado and Luke Griffin battling out a left tackle. Connor Wood battling out for right guard. Uh, now, here's the big issue here because we lost uh, our standout center to the NFL. Connor Tolison, Benz Bolgard, and Drake Heisman. All those guys are going to be battling it out at center. Uh, and we've got some talented backups here. EJ Nadormi Agar and... Zeke Powell and the freshman Armand Membro, a deep offensive line featuring a mix of experience and talent. This should be one of the strengths of the entire Missouri roster is the offensive line. Again, provided that Hiron White is healthy heading into the season. And then I'd go quarterbacks. 
Because just because we've not seen a ton of these guys on the field doesn't mean they don't have big-time potential. Brady Cook, I know I put him pretty low in my SEC quarterback projections, but he could be an ultimate riser. Again, SEC StatCat had him as in the highest ceiling category with, with only four other SEC quarterbacks, so he's got a ton of potential. Don't forget Tyler Macon. Let's not write this guy off. Elite 11 quarterback. Many, many teams across the country wanted him coming out of high school. Maybe he makes that jump this summer and into fall camp. Sam Horn, of course, and Jack Abram. So we go four deep here at the quarterback position, and that's something not a lot of big-time college programs can say in the modern age of uh, the transfer portal. Now, running back, Nathaniel Pete again from Stanford, Elijah Young, B.J. Harris, Michael Cox, and this Truman State transfer, Cody Schrader. I like the group we got here, and this is going to be a highly, highly productive group in Eli Drinkwitz's system, no doubt, which means that the biggest question mark, again, tight ends. Don't really know what we're working with there after a couple of transfers out. Tyler Stevens, the Buffalo transfer, Ryan Hornstamp, these are kind of going to be our key guys, and Missouri loves to, to utilize multiple tight end sets. They may have to adjust that, maybe throw out uh, some more receivers because uh, I don't, I just don't know if they got the depth right now to throw out a bunch of tight ends here in, in conference play especially. Now, as for the defense, this might be pretty bold to say, but uh, I'm going to go defensive line because, again, we got Isaiah McGuire and Trajan Jeffcoat back, nine and a half sacks, 24 Tackles for loss, those two combined for from the defensive end positions last season. These are two of the best players on the team. Could be terrorizing SEC quarterbacks all season long. Arjun Walker, Johnny Walker, Darius Robinson, Realis George, and Daniel Robledo are some of the guys that are going to add depth on that defensive line. And again, we just loaded up. On transfers on the defensive line, Jaden Jernigan, Ian Matthews, Josh Landry, Christian Williams, Tyrone Hopper. Hell, if only half those guys hit, we should have a much, much, much improved defensive line. And again, they get trashed because they were so awful defending the run last year. They were 13th in the SEC, would have been 14th if not for how terrible Vanderbilt was all season. And going into the final month of the season, they had the fourth best rushing defense in the conference. And you may say, well, hell, who'd they play? They played Georgia, national champions. Arkansas led the SEC in rushing. Florida, which they couldn't get much right on offense last year, but what they did get right was running the football. Uh, these are the teams, three of the four they played at the tail end of the season. That's when they got the best production out of their defensive line, and their interim defensive line coach is back. So, they carry that over. Missouri, very, very underrated defensive line, in my opinion. Linebackers, I got them next. Tyron Hopper, the Florida transfer. Devin Nichols, Chuck Hicks, Chad Bailey, Martez Manuel. It's a hell of a combo, considering we'll probably only put two guys out there on the field at the same time from the linebacker position. Now, the defensive backs, biggest question mark, but love the potential of this group. Enos Rakeshaw's back. Chris Abrams' drain who was a touted recruit they had to beat out a bunch of SEC schools for. DJ Jacksons, J.C. Carlisles, Joseph Charleston, the Clemson transfer, Drayden Norwood, the A&M transfer, Jelani Williams, Dalen Carnells, a true freshman, Isaac Thompson, another true freshman. You get those freshmen up to speed, 
which may be asking a lot. I understand that. But if you do, again, we go seven, eight deep here in the defensive backfield with guys we can count on this fall. I love the potential of Missouri's defensive backfield, but not as much as I love the kicker, the thicker, as they call him up there in Columbia. Harrison Mevis, maybe the best kicker in the country, 23 of 25 last year in field goals. And Sean Coding, the punter, didn't punt a, a ton. He was the backup, but he had 46-yard average on his punts that he had last season. So special teams should be an area of strength for the Missouri Tigers next season, which, you know, we get back down to the biggest questions going into fall camp. Of course, the quarterback competition looms over everything. That That's just the way it is in college football until we name a starter. That's going to be huge. How quickly does this defensive line gel with all these new faces? That is going to be critical to, to see. And really, the finding answers in the secondary, where do the, who steps up at that position. And I got confidence this will get solved, but we still need to see it to believe it. Receivers. All that momentum they had in the spring, will that carry over to the fall? If it does, Missouri's offense uh, it could really have some. They could be really working with the. Uh, they could be really working with fire. Next, Missouri's offense could be one of the biggest surprises in the SEC next fall. The way they looked in the spring game was pretty dynamite. But again, is that the receivers or is that defensive backs not being up to snuff? Hey, we'll find out sooner sooner rather than later. So jumping to the schedule, Missouri's got very, very tricky schedule, particularly right out the gate. Some critical games here. Open the season Thursday, SEC Network, nationally televised, Louisiana Tech, never a gimme. Dangerous team to open with. Mississippi State found that out. What was it last year? Nearly lost to Louisiana Tech. Epic comeback just to win that game. So Missouri, if you find yourself in a similar position, you're going to be doing it with a uh, – New starting quarterback, which could be a real issue. But nonetheless, that should be a win. Let's give them 1-0. Now, here's where it really gets tricky. At Kansas State, week two, Kansas State's been giving the SEC trouble for years. They beat LSU last year, although it was like a handicapped LSU with uh, 39 scholarship players, so can't really count that. They did beat Mississippi State a couple years ago. This is uh, Chris Kleiman, I believe former North Dakota State championship coach down here. So a, a program that's well coached is not going to have the talent on Missouri. But, uh, you know, kind of like last year, going on the road at Boston College, chalked that up to an easy W, and it didn't come out that way because the run defense was god-awful. Got to get that short up. Kansas State has got one hell of a running back. But, again, we love to keep this optimistic. This may be the most critical game on the schedule to get that momentum going for the Missouri Tigers. I'm going to give them a win here on the road, 2-0. Next week, gimme game. Abilene Christian, not even going to waste my time. 3-0 for the Missouri Tigers. Now, the first SEC game on the schedule at Auburn. Auburn will be coming off the Penn State game. Will they be riding high or will they be caving? under Brian Harson, That's the million-dollar question on the Plains. And this one is personal for Eli Drinkers. He was a former assistant down there and some rumblings that uh, he may be even eyeing that Auburn job. Should it become open? That's speculation that's being out there. And I've heard that from many people. So, uh, <laughs> hey, if nothing else, Missouri, Missouri – <laughs> if nothing else, Drinkwitz is going to be motivated like hell to whoop Auburn to show – 
that, uh, hey, he could coach in this league, and maybe he gets a raise out of it, if nothing else, from the Missouri Tigers. So at Auburn, again, we're keeping this optimistic. I'm going to give Missouri the win there. I, I got Auburn as the worst team in the West, so I don't think that's a stretch at all to say Missouri goes on the road and beats Auburn. But it would be a hell of a stretch to say the next game, Georgia comes to town. No chance. I don't I don't care what happens. Missouri, I don't think you got a prayer. Even though you have played Georgia tight in the past, that gap is just so wide between Georgia and everybody in the East when it comes to overall talent. I'll give that one to Georgia. At Florida, again, this is a, a tricky, tricky game because you wouldn't think it, but Missouri plays Florida very tight. Two years ago was the brawl game. Last year was the two-point conversion for the win. This could be one hell of a game, but considering it's in the swamp, I'm going to give this one to the Florida Gators. But if, who knows, if Billy Napier has difficulties getting things going, he's got an incredibly difficult schedule right out the gate. If Anthony Richardson is not all he's cracked up to be by me, uh, Missouri's got a hell of a chance to win that football game. But still, I'm going to give it to Florida at this point in time. I think that's a reasonable expectation. And I think if you told Missouri fans going into the bye, they're 4-2. and two. I think they take that 10 out of 10. Now the next game, homecoming, Vanderbilt comes to town. Should be an easy win, 5-2. and two. Again, Missouri would love to have that record. But here's an, a tricky game at South Carolina. How about this stat? Drinkowitz? I know it's two different coaches here, but he's undefeated so far against South Carolina. So can he keep that going? It'll be paramount to how well the team finishes uh, winning in Columbia, South Carolina. I certainly think it's possible, but uh, I'm going to give this one to the Gamecocks with the home field advantage. Five and three, I think Missouri fans would take it. Now, how about this one? Kentucky comes to town. Everybody's high in Kentucky. I'm going to call for the upset special. I don't even know if it would be an upset because this is about a 50-50 game, and this has been some, some really good battles the last couple of years. Missouri won it two years ago. Kentucky won it last year in a barn burner up there in Lexington. I'm going to give this one to Missouri. At Tennessee, that was the worst whooping Eli Drinkwitz has got yet in his head coaching career last season when Tennessee came to town. So it's kind of hard to, for me to see Tennessee uh, going completely the opposite direction and Missouri you know, pulling that upset. It may be a closer game, should be a much closer game, but I got to give that edge to Tennessee. New Mexico State, one of the worst teams in the country. Give me a break here. Missouri's going to get that one. And then how about Arkansas? <laughs> Again, keeping this optimistic, but for years and years, Arkansas couldn't get over Missouri. And, hell, they've only done it once in the last, what, five, six years. So I think Arkansas is one hell of a team. But just because we're keeping it optimistic, <laughs> upset special rivalry at home. This game's going to be played on Friday, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Arkansas may be a little sleepy coming into this one. Let's give them the outright upset here over the Arkansas Razorbacks, keeping this thing optimistic. So I got Missouri with my Mizzou glasses on going 8-4 and four optimistically in Eli Drinkowitz's third season and a step in the right direction to give you more momentum going on the recruiting trail to fix the issues that 
hold you back from competing for an SEC title. And that, in the two years Drinkwitz has been there, he's working his ass off to improve that, and he has. They need to continue to do that. The The current crop of recruits, not as solid as what we had the last two seasons, but a long, long way to go for Missouri, and it's really going to be impacted if they can turn things around on the field like I anticipated here with my optimistic Missouri schedule here. So 8-4, and four, again, that may not be what the aspirations are of most Missouri fans, but I think they would take it given last season's 6-7 and seven record with a chance to go to a 9-win campaign if you win your bowl game, which maybe a new year's day game if you're eight and four if not uh you know an outback bowl or something like that that'd be a hell of an accomplishment i think and, and a reason for eli drinkwitz to prove that his program is on the rise there in columbia next season so hey that's gonna do it for uh, another preview edition of fall camp heading into sec media days again as you get this we will be six days away from sec media days with me and Cousin Shane and the flying Hawaiian flying all the way from Hawaii to descend on Atlanta. Cannot wait for that. But I appreciate each and every one of you for sticking us, sticking with us during this uh, time with not much content going on. We are close to running out of teams here to preview for fall camp. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.